Have you been thinking about wanting to start your own podcast? When I was trying to get the Evan Witt show off the ground, trying to find where to go, I had a lot of questions and trying to figure it out. And Anchor was the place to go. Easy to start, easy to use, and it's free. And you can get your podcast heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other great places that people like to listen. The answer, again, is Anchor. And I love using Anchor as it's extremely easy and simple and free to use. If you want to join me with Anchor on your podcast, then go to anchor.fm slash start and join me and the diverse community of all the podcasters that Anchor has to offer. I enjoy and cannot wait to start hearing your first podcast. That's anchor.fm slash start. Hello, and thank you for listening to the Evan with Allison show. It is December 31st, 2019, the final day Really the final hours of 2019 at the date of recording. And I want to thank everyone for listening to the Evan with Allison show over the past year. Um, Been a little inconsistent recently, but the holidays get in the way sometimes and other things. Uh, And I just want to say a thank you to all those loyal listeners of the Evan with Allison show and for the support and uh, encouragement that I've gotten. And the Evan with Allison show is presented to you by Flex Fitness in Racine. If you are in the Racine, Kenosha area listening to this show and you want to go to a gym that's going to help you reach your goals going into the next year, then Flex Fitness is the perfect choice for you. They offer personal training, therapeutic massages, nutritional advice, and good old school equipment that's going to help you get to your fitness goals. I'm a member of the gym. I've been there for a couple months now, and I love the environment. I love the people, other people that go to the gym. Uh, the The staff is awesome. The owner and uh, every her family is just awesome as well, and I think you would love it at, too. So Flux Gym, across the street from Horlick High School. Check it out and uh, tell them that you've heard about it on the Evan with Allison show, and uh, hope you all enjoy. So there, there is a lot to talk about. In today's episode, the Packers recently beat the Detroit Lions to clinch a first-round bye and eventually the two-seed in the playoffs following the 49ers' win on Sunday. So the first round of the playoffs, the Packers get to chill at home, get to kind of relax, get to watch the games and um, get ready to play either the Saints or the winner of the Eagles-Seahawks game. Uh, it all depends if the Vikings get the upset and beat the Saints and the Packers play the winner of the Eagles and the Seahawks. And if it's the other way around, then the the Packers face the, uh, you know, obviously they face the, um, you know, if the Saints win, they face the Saints. So going to talk about that a little bit, the win against Detroit, and kind of preview the playoffs a little bit. Um, coaching changes. The coaching carousel is underway in the NFL. Uh, some coaches let go, um, another coach brought in. Um going to talk about that and talk about uh, which job I think is the best job currently open. And Washington is no longer on the list. And I would have put Washington as a personnel standpoint, a high choice. But now that that position's filled, I don't have to talk about that as Ron Rivera is the head coach and Jack Del Rio will be the defensive coordinator in Washington. I'm going to talk a little bit about some of my favorite moments uh, as a sports fan in the last 10 years. And uh, before we do get into that, um, Saturday, 
on the 28th of December, I had the opportunity to go to the Brock Stop in Kenosha and check out SSW Super Show 3, you know, wrestling event. Uh, they do, um, has been twice a year. We'll see when the next Super Show is. But I had an opportunity. It was a great show to watch. Tito Santana, WWE Hall of Famer, WWF Hall of Famer was there. Ken Kennedy or Ken Anderson, um, he was there. Um, Glacier was there as well as some former TNA talent as well. And I got the opportunity to spend a little bit of time with Glacier. And it was a great and fun interview talking to him. I was a big fan of his back in WCW, uh, back in 96 when he first came out. I love this. I, you know, I know a lot of people didn't love it, but I personally love the whole storyline. And, you know, it was a fun storyline. And, I'm going to start the first part of this show uh, with Glacier's interview. A lot of good insight. Talks about the wrestling business, WCW, um, back when he was in it, his his, uh, feud that he had with Mortis and Wrath and Ernest the Cat Miller, um, where Glacier came from, WWE, why he never went on to WWE, and he kind of gives his thoughts and hopes for AEW. Uh, the new promotion from Cody Rhodes, and he talks about his mo- his, inspir- his uh, inspirations in the field of wrestling as well. It, it was a great interview. It was fun talking to him. Really friendly guy. Um, I-, I loved it, and I hope you enjoy the interview too. I hope you enjoy the interview. And so at this time, we are going to play the interview of Glacier. And like I said, I hope you enjoy. So at this point... Here is my interview from Glacier. Here at the Broad Stop with professional wrestler Glacier, who performed here tonight for SSW Super Show. And I uh, wonder if you can quickly tell the listeners a little bit about uh, how long you've been wrestling, what got you into wrestling, uh, you know, kind of along those lines. Yeah, first of all, uh, thank you guys for having me. It was a great night tonight. I had a great reception here, which is, uh, means an awful lot, especially at this point in my career where, um, you know, you... Uh, yeah, you know, you've been around a long time, and you hope you still get received well when you go everywhere. So uh, thanks to all the fans here tonight. Um, it was really, really great show, a great turnout um, for everybody. But, um, yeah, you know, um, I've been in the wrestling business now 32 years, and uh, unlike a lot of guys who come and go, uh, you know, I've been doing it 32 years and never taken a year off. Uh, wrestled actively all those times, sometimes more than others, but still, right? You know, I, I, I most more, more than most. And um, uh, I love this business. Um, I broke in in April 1987, which is a long, long time ago. And uh, and um, you know, it's it's something that um, uh, you know, I, I still love it. Uh, I love the the business as a whole. I love the people I've met along the way, which are some of my childhood heroes are now friends of mine and uh you know that's always say is my greatest accomplishment in this business uh i did a seminar today and i I said this to the trainees or the guys coming up in the seminar as i said my greatest achievement me personally what i believe is is being accepted by the people i really look up to in this business as a peer you know having a seat at that table with those guys and 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 girls and and um so yeah the business has been really good to me um i hope i'm involved in it until i take my last breath it's uh, it's a great business um it's a tough business Business, very tough business, as I told a lot of the young uh, wrestlers today. But, but it's a really rewarding business too, and it's it's been great to me. So, Glacier, where did uh, that come from? Um, well, um, 
I broke, I broke in. I mean, I, I was I broke in, in April of '87. I wrestled almost nine years before I got my break at, at the top. So I tell everybody who wants to do this for a living, I go, you got to be patient. And uh, I, I don't, I certainly don't, don't hope it takes anybody ten years to get there, but it may, you know. And so you got to be patient. You got to do everything in your control, and then hope, you know, that you're some good luck along the way. But um, yeah, I mean, Diamond Dallas Page uh, is someone who has been a great friend of mine, a great. Um, uh, big brother, I always call him like my crazy big brother, and I knew Paige, and uh, and I proved to Paige that you know I was worthy of him putting his name behind me to to mention me to Eric Bischoff, and that took time. It took a lot of time, it took several years, and um, uh, and and I always say that uh, you know there's an old saying that's not what you know, it's who you know. Well, there's another part of that, in my opinion, that I learned a long time ago. It's it's not what you know, it's not who you know, it's who's willing to say they know you, who's willing to put their name and reputation on the line for you, and Dallas did that for me, and. Uh, I met with Eric. Um, long story short, they were looking to for this because of the popularity of Mortal Kombat at that time, looking to bring in four characters uh, that would be relevant to that. Luckily, after one meeting, uh, it was a long meeting, like a three-hour meeting with Eric. Uh, I ended up he signed me to a deal, and uh, and then it was off and running. It took a while to develop, but it was uh, it was a great experience all the way around. So, what is that? Uh, what was that experience like with the you and Wrath and Mortis? Uh, what was that whole experience like? Well, it was great in, in several ways. One, it was my big break, and Chris Canyon, who became one of my best friends during that time, um, and I miss him every day, you know, that, that since he's passed. But uh, um, it was our big break, you know. We were four different guys kind of thrown in there in, in different scenarios. For me and Chris, we'd worked hard. This was our big break, and we were going to do everything in our power to make sure we did everything we could. Brian, and I had known Brian for a long time. We broke him kind of in the indies together. Had was just coming back off of WWF from being out of bomb. So for him, it was just, it was him to another job, I believe, to stay active in the business, you know. He lived in Atlanta, so that was a, a natural fit for him. And in the end, I think he did a great job. Uh, Ernest Miller was probably had the hardest of all of us, hardest job. Uh, he was a, a, you know, a three-time world karate champion. He taught Eric Bischoff's kids martial arts. And he got kind of thrust into this thing. And within six months, Ernest Miller learned more and, and accomplished more what he learned in the ring than anybody I've ever seen before. He was a very coachable, very fast learner, natural, great athlete. Um, and one of the best things that came out of that was my friendship strengthened with Brian. We and I, were, my, I became great friends with Canyon. And me and Ernest became great friends. We're still great friends to this day. And, and um, we, uh, we've got some projects we're working on together. So, uh, so a lot of really good things came out of it, really did. Yeah, I really enjoyed the whole uh, Wrath Mortis you, Ernest Miller, and I honestly think he's probably one of the better people on the mics too, Ernest Miller. I just, you know, loved listening to him on the mic. Um, kind of wish they could have went with him as the, you know, general manager or commissioner or whatever it was a little bit longer. But kind of talk about the WCW days. Um, cause I know you kind of came in with the whole NWO angle going on. Um, what was that experience like? Um, you know, it's a great question. We we were thrust out there right before the NWO really, really hit. And so a lot of what they had planned, just like so much of for everybody else, I mean, everybody knows, it's no secret, when the NWO hit, it was the biggest thing ever to hit wrestling. And everything, everything took a backseat to that. That's just, you know, they were, they were smart enough to realize we need to run with this, you know. Uh, so I was fortunate enough to be there through the whole rise and fall of WCW. So I got to see all of it. And, um, and it, was a, it was a prime example of taking something that was really good and just beating it to death to the fans. I think at one point we were just you know, tired of it, you know. And, um, but, 
you know, the thing I'm most proud of is that uh, we we held our spot. And at that point, it was a solid mid-card spot. But I was very proud of the fact that we were an active member of one of the most legendary rosters of all time. And week in and week out, we earned our spot. We kept our spot. And I and, and I know that we our matches were all really, really good matches. We never had a bad match the, the, between the four of us. Um, not by my standards, it wasn't. And um, uh, and my and I'm my worst critic. So, but um, it was a lot of fun. It was it was a lot of fun to be on that ride, that meteoric rise of wrestling, because it was a great time to not only be a wrestler, but it was a great time to be a wrestling fan. And and I'm a fan at heart. I was a fan first. That's what got me into wrestling. Um, so yeah, it was a great time. It was such a great time to see fans able to be fans and really enjoy that that experience of, of the Monday Night Wars. You know. Yeah, I loved the Monday Night Wars. I was more of a WCW fan than WWF at the time, to be perfectly honest. Um, and I, you know, like you were saying, it kind of, you know, did kind of beat it in to the ground a little bit with the whole NWO thing. Um, but, you know, moving on, WCW gets the intellectual property gets bought out by WWE, WWF. Um, did you have any, in, you know, thoughts on going through that invasion angle and whatnot or no i had an opportunity to go to wwe um i've talked about it a few times in the past um what happened for me personally was my two childhood heroes growing up were dusty Rhodes and evil knievel and uh i got a chance to to work with dusty wcw i got to know him which you can imagine you know was just unbelievably cool i got a chance to meet evil knievel and sit down with him one night in the bar and for about an hour and a half which was unbelievably cool but but and that's a story for another time but uh (laughs) but um but Dusty and I became, you know, in WCW, we didn't really become that close because I was still kind of in awe of Dusty like everybody was. But in 2000, he left and started his own company called Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling. And he invited me, once again, off Dallas's recommendation, he invited me to come out. He was looking for someone to be, his, as he called, lieutenant, his right-hand guy. Long story short, he invited me. He offered me to be that. I went to Eric and asked Eric, was he cool with me doing that? Because I was still under contract with WCW. And Eric's response was, hey, whatever you do in your own spare time is your business. Just don't let it interfere with your job. So I worked with Dusty on the side. And uh, everything was great. Um, one of my best friends still, still to this day is a guy named Steve Day. He was a wrestling coach at Lasseter High School where Cody Rose was, was going to school at that time and wrestling. And um, when we got bought out in April of '01. Uh, I had an opportunity. They they had an op- they, I was dealing with uh, Kevin Kelly, and and he and Kevin and I didn't really meet face to face till a few years ago, and we we had a laugh over this. Is they um, they wanted me to come in and do a state trooper gimmick because my parents, both my parents, were state patrol, and uh, it was a gimmick to me that I was flattered. But and the money was okay. They didn't have to offer great money because they were the only show in town then, you know. And um, but you know, I, I, it was too close to home for me. I didn't want to. I didn't want to put my family legacy out there for the, to the wrestling world and not not that WWE would have done anything just as a whole I didn't want to get I didn't want to have a gimmick I was that close to and um uh and because I felt like I would have taken it personal if it would have gone away I didn't like and um I got offered a chance to go back to teach um and coach high school with my buddy Steve Day because he was the department head and Lasseter High School was one of the biggest you know high schools in the state at that time it was really a great place to teach so I took that opportunity I told WCW no and like I said once again they weren't they weren't recruiting me hard. They they were giving they gave me an offer, you know. So I'm not saying that it was any great thing I turned down, but it was um, it was an offer, and I could have done it. Um, and there's times when I wish I would have, you know. But what I did instead was I took a steady teaching job where I had great benefits, great insurance, which at that point I needed because my body was beat up pretty bad. And I was working with my childhood hero and Dusty Rhodes, and 
yeah, there are times when I wonder what it would have been like to maybe go down that route. But there's other times when I look at it and I go, man, you know, I got to live that dream, and that's where I became close to Dusty, and I was was close to Dusty until you know his his, his passing. And uh, anybody that follows Cody and followed All In, they probably saw the story where Cody talked about that his dad, you know, had what he considered the five digits and and the five people he felt closest to and I was you know I was fortunate enough to be in that group me and Dallas Tommy Dreamer and uh you know for Cody to share that with the world I would never tell anybody that you know but for him to publicly put that out there meant a lot to me and uh so you know the the long answer to that question is I did have a you know modest offer from WWE and I turned it down because I wanted to work for Dusty and and I I really don't regret that at all (laughs) it was awesome you know, now a couple of final questions before um appreciate you spending some time with me. Um, AEW uh, officially started TV on TNT back in October, had a couple pay-per-views before that. Um, you mentioned All In. Um, to me, it's good for the wrestling business having, you know, I, uh, th- that name recognition, competing, you know, not, well, to go kind of compete with WWE and NXT or whatever. What are your thoughts on AEW and what can it do to the wrestling business? And could we potentially see another boom like we saw in the mid-90s? I'm certainly hoping there's another boom, right? Because that's good for everybody. It's good for the fans. It's good for the wrestlers. It gives them op- you know, options as far as where to work. Um, yeah, it's like Home Depot and Lowe's. That's why they are close to each other. You know, competition is good. And, you know, same thing while Burger King and McDonald's are close to each other. Competition is good. And, you know, I, and, and I'm very close to, to AEW because of obviously the relationship to Cody. Um, my business partner with my wrestling school in Atlanta is QT Marshall, who's one of the agents, uh, and, and, you know, with W, uh, AEW. And, um, uh, yeah, I think it's great. It's a great time for wrestling. It's a great time for the fans. AEW is something new. It, they have that, that, that type of backing that you're going to need to try to compete with WWE. Thing I like about you know what Tony Khan is saying and what AEW is saying is they're not out there trying to compete with anybody. They're just trying to offer some more good wrestling for the wrestling fan, and it will be what it will be, you know. But uh, they're not they're not trying to knock anybody off the block. They're they're saying here's a product we want to put out there, and we want wrestling fans to enjoy it, and we on, we want them to enjoy everything else as well. So I, I think it's a great time for wrestling. I really do. Final question. I uh, got to wrap it up. Any advice out there for young people wanting to get into the wrestling industry? Yeah, I try to be very specific when I give advice because a lot of people say, "Oh, just work hard and blah 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 blah." My, now there are enough good, uh, and I used to not be able to say this, but now there are enough really good reputable schools out there. Um, if you don't know which ones they are, just ask around, do some research, and if you're serious about want to do this, you have got to get to a really reputable school that can teach you the right way to do it and and if you can't get to a reputable school well then at least go to as many seminars as you can of reputable wrestlers like like uh les thatcher al snow um i do seminars um ken anderson is here he's has a great school um you know you have um all over now you have um great schools so there's a great opportunity to learn so whereas it used to be a bunch of bad schools, and there still are a bunch of bad ones, unfortunately, but there are a lot of really leg- legitimate schools. My advice to anybody who's serious, who's serious about this is find a good school and maybe go spend a day or two like you would like, test drive a car, find out if it's a good fit for you. And it may mean you may have to move, but if you really want to chase your dream and you're serious about this, you've got to go where the opportunities are. And, you know, if you want to kind of do it halfway – then, then you do that, but just understand that you know that that may be the results you get too, or halfway results. So, find a good school, find someone that's reputable, and go there, put in all the work, and 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 you know, I always say, 
great work ethic, great positive attitude and accountability, you know, do what you say you're going to do. And, um, and those things, that's what we do with our trainees. We tell them that. And, um, and, and, you know, you do all that you can do that you can control. But it starts with finding a good, reputable school. And now, thank goodness, there are some really good ones out there, east to west. I mean, there's some really good schools to choose from. Thank you so much for yeah. spending some time with me tonight. I know it was a long night, and I appreciate the opportunity oh, to talk to pleasure. you. Uh, big fan of yours when you were in WCW, and appreciate watching you here live here tonight. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to say thanks to all the fans that were here tonight. They gave me a great reception, and I can't really tell you, I can't put into words how how good that made me feel, especially at this point where my career is really winding down, my in-ring career, and uh, to have a great response from the, the, the fans here was just, um, as I said, very overwhelming uh, and humbling, and just, just makes me, just reinforces why I love this business so much. And with that, welcome back to the Evan Wattallison Show. That was former WCW superstar Glacier, and it was a fun time talking to Glacier and uh, getting to know him a little bit and his background in wrestling. I I really hope you enjoy the interview as well. Um, it was just a great time to to talk to him and to get to know him. And uh, you know, the the show itself was awesome. And I want to thank uh, Ryan Cross um, for a lot, you know, hooking me up with that interview. Um, it's busy night, busy, a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, he's got match himself, and you know, just uh, giving me the opportunity. Um, to talk to Glacier. So I just want to say thank you to him uh, and uh, thank you for all the performers and the wrestlers that came out in order to make this event such a wonderful experience. And I can't wait for the next super show that comes out. So moving on, with that said, um, next topic I want to jump into is the Packers and talk about their win over the Lions and um, their playoff hopes. And first of all, you know, I... I and. I, I see it a lot. The Packers win, but people are just are not satisfied. They're not they're not happy. Um, they're not they're, they're mad even because they're not winning by enough. Um, they're not winning by enough points. They're not winning by enough by a big enough score. And to me, it's, it, it gets irritating because my thing is is this: it's the NFL. A win's a win. I don't care if you're playing Detroit, Miami, New Orleans. A win is a win. You, you you win. It's the same. You know, it counts the same as you know if you win fifty to nothing or twenty three twenty. The win counts the same. And I know if the Packers beat the Lions by you know let's say fifteen, fourteen, twenty, um, thirty points, we're gonna feel a little more comfortable going into the playoffs. But I don't mind the tough, ugly victories. I really don't because I think it helps get them ready and basically uh, prepare not to overlook anybody. And, no, the Packers are not a perfect team. They still have their issues offensively. It seems like Rodgers is still not on the same page as his wide receivers. And Sunday's game by was – up is not very good on Rodgers' end, 28 incompletions, and he overthrew a number of deep balls. And, and that's the other thing, too. A lot of people are assuming because the Packers are running a lot of vertical routes going downfield, stretching the field, that it was Aaron Rodgers changing the plays. It was Rodgers doing what he wants to do. And maybe so. Maybe that is what Rodgers wanted to do. But I think that is how they wanted to attack the truck. Because here's the thing. The throws were there. The receivers were getting separation off of the defensive backs of the Lions. 
those throws were there. If he connects on a couple of them, the Packers win in a route. But unfortunately, he wasn't on, and he overthrew guys or underthrew guys. You know, Kumaro on the interception late in the game, he had Kumaro open, overthrew, underthrew him, got intercepted, trying to turn into a punt. Um, he had he had Adams open deep. He had Valdez Gantling open deep. Uh, Jimmy Graham dropped a 20-yard pass on the first series of the game. The, the passes were there. It, you know, Detroit was flooding the underneath stuff, so the Packers are trying to stretch the field because that's how you attack Detroit. And better throws by Rodgers, and we're all happy because the Packers win like 30-20, to 20, if even that. So, to me, like I said, a win's a win. There's still things to clean up. There's still things to work on. The actual roster, Super Bowl-type roster, we're going to see is probably still about a year away. But the Packers went 13-3. and You don't go 13-3 and by accident. They, they beat Detroit. They needed to come back to him, but they beat Detroit. And there were still some positive things from that game. So Darius Smith continues to shine. He didn't get a sack, but he got pressures and disrupted some stuff. Uh, offensively, the, the offensive line played pretty well, especially when Bulaga got hurt and Lindsey got hurt. The replacements uh, uh, filled in admirably there. Um, Irvin continues to play well. So there's still a lot of positives that came out of the game. They just have some stuff they got to clean up. Pass protection could improve a little bit. Um, catching the ball, securing the ball should be more of a priority, obviously. And the defensive line in the first half did not play really well. But the second half, they played better. The team played better. And the second drive of the game, ninety uh, second drive of the second half, I mean, Packers go 95 yards to score a touchdown. And that was a great drive there. They, they tried on the opening drive to go downfield. Didn't work again. So they decided to go check down, take what the defense is giving them, get the ball out to the playmakers' hands in space, and let them make plays. And it worked. The final drive of the game, same thing. They they ran within the offense, and the screen pass to Aaron Jones, Rodgers saw something in the defense, and it worked. They weren't going to do a lot of screens against Detroit the way Detroit typically plays, but Rodgers saw something, and he attacked it. You know, just because Rodgers may change a play or two sometimes doesn't mean, you know, him and LaFleur are having conflict. And I still think, to be honest, I think that it was LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett's game plan to try to attack Detroit vertically. And unfortunately, it just didn't work out. Um, and now a lot of this, they're the worst 13-3 and team ever. Well, they, beat, they had a pretty tough schedule. They beat the teams in front of them. They, 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 only, they, you know, they lost to Philly, and they lost to the 49ers, and they lost to the Chargers. Two of those teams are with above 500 records. The Eagles finished nine and seven. 49ers, we know, finished uh, 13 and three as well. They own the tiebreaker. That's why the 49ers got the one seed. The Packers have looked good at times. They've not looked good at times. But I, I trust that come the playoffs against likely the Saints, they are going to be prepared to to play. And I don't know if it, we're going to see Aaron Rodgers of old or what, but I think they're going to be ready to play. I, I just have a good hunch and good feeling about this team. Matt LaFleur has done an awesome job um, getting this team up to play. Um, and then 
you know, I would rather talk about the quote worst thirteen and three team ever than the best three and thirteen team ever, because the best three and thirteen team ever is done at this point. They go home. Their season's over. They're not talking playoffs or Super Bowl. The worst thirteen and three team ever. Guess what? We have a shot at the Super Bowl, just like every other team in the playoffs. And I hear people talking about the point differential that the Packers have had this year um, along those lines. And let's let's be real here. It, it doesn't matter come playoff time. The New York Giants in 2011 finished 9-7, and seven, won the division, and they had a negative point differential. They got hot in the playoffs, and they beat the Packers in the divisional round in 2011, then ended up going to the Super Bowl, and they beat the Patriots. And... Come playoff time, anything can happen. And I take Aaron Rodgers' experience in the playoffs over Jimmy Garoppolo in experience. Carson Wentz, who's been up and down, plus he has no weapons to try to get the ball to at this point. Um, <clears throat> trying to think of what other quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins is extremely up and down. So Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, the most experienced quarterbacks in the NFC side of things. And then in the AFC, you have Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady. Um, they were all in the playoffs last year. Tom Brady, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. You got Josh Allen, who's, uh, you know, I think he was in the playoffs last year. I think Buffalo made it last year. Ryan Tannehill. Um, I'll take Rodgers over pretty much any quarterback in the playoffs right now, to be perfectly blunt. Tom Brady has looked not himself. Um, maybe he'll pick it up in the playoffs. I don't know. Um, Drew Brees, great talent around him, but he's going to have to go outdoors uh, in round two and likely round three in order to get to the Super Bowl. And the Saints have not won, they've won one playoff game under Sean Payton outdoors. That was against Philadelphia. Other than that, all the other playoff losses, um, four of the four, uh, they have six total playoff losses, and five of the four, I mean, five of the six were on the road, and four of the six were in outdoor stadiums. So just be patient, be be uh, op- cautiously optimistic, and just enjoy the ride at this point. The Packers are not supposed to be here. They weren't. But now they're the first round by in the playoffs, and they're, they have a chance to go to the Super Bowl in Miami. So don't be so down, don't be so negative. Yes, there's holes on the team, but this team is what it is at this point. There's really no improving it at this point because – um, it, you can't really sign anybody. They're not going to upgrade certain positions and whatnot until, obviously, once the season's over. But in that time, just enjoy the ride. So, next topic I want to talk about. Lots of firings happened on Black Monday, as they call it. Some before Black Monday. Um, but some um, happened on Black, on Black Monday. So, the... The Giants fired their head coach uh, after two years, Shermer. The Browns fired Kitchens after one year. The Redskins uh, fired their president, Bruce Allen, after they fired their coach, Jay Gruden, during the season. And obviously the interim coach is let go as well. The Redskins have such signed Ron Rivera. The Cowboys may or may not bring back um, Jason Garrett. I, I, I don't know if they are or not. Um, Doug Marone is staying. Um, 
at this point. So some coaching moves happening. Um, some guys getting hired already, some not. Offensive coordinator for the Bears, Mark Helfrich, got fired as the Bears are revamping their coaching staff. Um, and the Browns also today let go of general manager John Dorsey. John Dorsey is a guy you may remember um, from Green Bay. He was, uh, you know, he was the uh, in the front office in Green Bay before he left for um, Cleveland. I'm at Cleveland, uh, Kansas City, and then ended up going to Cleveland. So lot, lots of lots of things. So the Redskins fired Ron, hired Ron Rivera, which I think is a good move for Washington. Uh, the I think uh, Ron Rivera is a really good coach, and he's going to come in and hopefully change the culture there. But the cons there is Daniel Snyder. He's a bad owner to work for. He gets involved in business. He uh, gets involved in football operations and doesn't let his football guys handle football operations. So that's a tough job. But they do have a pretty good roster there. Dwayne Haskins, a quarterback, some decent young receivers. Um, a good, strong D-line that can get even better if they draft Chase Young out of Ohio State. They could get even better um, in Washington. Giants, they got rid of Pat Shermer. Um, they are keeping their general manager, Dave Gentleman. Um, they are interviewing. Um, they have requested to interview Wink Martindale, defense coordinator of Baltimore. They're planning to interview Mike McCarthy. Probably, probably an interview Josh McDaniels, which I think they talked to him when Shermer ended up getting the job. I think that's a really good job. You got Shaquan Barkley, you got Daniel Jones, you got Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram. You got a pretty good nucleus there on offense to work around. You just got to improve the offensive line a little bit and obviously improve the defense. But you got some nice young nucleus on the offensive side of the football, as well as some decent veterans at the wide receiver position. That's my that's probably my top job outside of Dallas, but Dallas I don't like for the fact that Jerry Jones is impossible to work for. Um, Carolina is looking for a new head coach. They got rid of Ron Rivera on December 3rd. Um, they did have interviewed Mike McCarthy twice. Um, not sure who else they're looking to interview, but that's a job. Uh, new ownership, don't really know what to expect. Don't really know how involved... Uh, the owner's going to get there, but they have question marks at quarterback. Kyle Allen is not the answer. Wide receiver, there's question marks. The offensive line isn't very good. The defense is pretty good, and you got Christian McCaffrey. But outside of that, the rest of the roster could probably use a bit of an overhaul. Um, Keekley is obviously great linebacker. They got a pretty solid defensive line for the most part. But they, they still need some work. They still need some work, and quarterback is one of them, and they fall in a draft position where they're going to have a hard time. Um, they're going to have a hard time finding a quarterback that late in the draft. The Cowboys, from a talent perspective, great position. You have Dak Prescott if he returns as a, a really good quarterback. Ezekiel Elliott, a franchise running back. Um, Gallup showed flashes as a franchise wide receiver. Possibly bring Cooper back, a pretty decent tight end core. Offensive line is extremely good, and a defense that's pretty decent. You got a lot of good personnel in Dallas. But Jason Garrett is obviously not the man anymore. He's probably stayed five years too long. The Cowboys could, still could bring him back. I don't know. Who knows? They possibly could. Um, Dallas is going to be a tough position to work for. 
Um, Jerry Jones is an owner that likes getting involved. Um, he is also the general manager. So the person he's gotten the personnel there. So now they just need to find the right coach. And does that coach want to work for Jerry Jones? That's going to be the question. They've have a they've had a hard time finding coaches willing to work for Jerry Jones pretty much since Jimmy Johnson. They've struck out time and time again on head coaches. Uh, head coaches. So I don't know what direction they're going to go. The Dolphins from uh, hired. Uh, uh, Gailey to be their offensive coordinator after letting Chad O'Shea go and some other coaches on the team. So I'm mean, gonna be interesting to see who gets the job. Some college names are obviously out there. Lincoln Riley um, is one of them. Urban Meyer is one of them. Uh, Retread like Mike McCarthy, um, and then you have some assistants on teams like Martin Dale for the Ravens, Josh McDaniels, who's also going to be a retread. But I think McDaniels is going to do better a second go around. So. And then, from my understanding, uh, Mike LaFleur, the brother of Matt LaFleur, is getting an interview potentially in Cleveland. But that's the job I wouldn't touch, Cleveland. I, I wouldn't touch that job at all. So what job to you is probably the top job out there for coaches? To me, it's the Giants. I, I think because you have an ownership group that's good. General manager could be better, but... I guess it is what it is. And you have some young talent on that roster that you can work on. Dallas, better talent, but you're dealing with Jerry Jones. So shoot me a tweet at Evan Witt Sports. You can shoot me an email, coachevan66 at gmail.com. So with that, we are coming to a close on this episode of the Evan Wittalison Show, the last Evan Wittalison Show of 2019. Um, we're also coming to a close in 2019, and there were a lot of moments in, 20, in the 2010s, between 2010 and 2019, uh, in, those, in those nine years. A lot of moments in sports that happened. Um, that, there's a few that I want to point out that really stood out to me that I'm forever going to remember the Packers winning the Super Bowl against the Fort and against the Steelers uh Super Bowl 45 Aaron Rodgers wins the Super Bowl you got Clay Matthews holding the the championship belt um above Rodgers as the Packers celebrate um their Super Bowl victory in Dallas um going into that game you know that's that particular game you had BJ Raji with a pick six of Chad Henney, at the, I believe was the quarterback at the time, took it into the end zone and helped the Packers secure, and he had that teach-me-how-to-Raji uh, moment. Tremond Williams' interception against Atlanta, pick six, uh, right before halftime to lead the Packers on that route of the Philadelphia, e- I mean, of the Atlanta Falcons, and then beating the Eagles in the wild-card round in Philly, on a last-second interception by, I believe it was Sam Shields. It was either Shields or, um, it was either Shields or Williams. I think it was Shields. So someone correct me if I'm wrong there. Then you have that's just the Packers. Um, 2011, even though they didn't win the Super Bowl, as a special year, going 15 and one. Um, Rodgers winning MVP in 11 and 14. They run the table um, was a great moment as is a team that had no business being in the NFC Championship game, they got there. In Badger basketball, 
beating Kentucky in the Final Four on their second consecutive trip to the Final Four to get to the national championship game. Very special moment. Um, wish they could have beat Duke. Unfortunately, it wasn't in the cards. Uh, there was some questionable calls in that game, but I'm not blaming the officials. Um, Badgers just didn't play well enough in the second half to get that victory. Um, the Brewers, 2011, who can forget Niger Morgan hitting the game-winning hit, scoring Carlos Gomez to put the Brewers in the uh, NLCS for the first time uh, ever and in a championship series for the first time since 1982. Ultimately, they fell to St. Louis in the NLCS. And then the two, you know, the Brewers from last year uh, going to Game 7 of the NLCS against the Dodgers, that season just full of special moments, uh, big time. Jesus Aguilar's walk-off home runs, great pitching by Josh Hader, Strong's uh, final month and a half from, from Corey Knebo, um, Christian Yelich, MVP, and follows it up with an even better second year before fracturing his kneecap in a, uh, a second year in Milwaukee. The last two years in Brewer baseball has been fun. It's been a hell of a ride, and hopefully it's not over. They have have big roster turnover recently, but for the Brewers, it just you know, 2011 was a fun ride. 2000, uh, uh, 2018 was a fun ride, and 2019 was to me fun too. Uh, obviously, they didn't end how we wanted them to end. Um, Milwaukee Bucks drafting Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, drafting Giannis completely changed that franchise. They finally had a true franchise guy. Um, I know the national media keeps talking about him leaving. It's like the national media wants Giannis to leave. But Giannis is a different kind of superstar to me. He's not your prototypical superstar. He is his own type. He loves Milwaukee. He has a home in Milwaukee, a kid brother that plays high school basketball in Milwaukee. A girlfriend in Milwaukee is expecting a kid in Milwaukee. His best friend, Chris Middleton, plays in Milwaukee. I, I just don't see Giannis leaving. As much as the national media wants him out of Milwaukee for whatever reason, I don't see him leaving. I, I really don't. I think he's going to stay. I don't think he's going to leave and go someplace else to L.A. or New York. He doesn't want to play in a big market. He wants to stay in Milwaukee. Every indication he's given and I know I don't personally know Giannis, but every indication Giannis has given is that he wants to be in Milwaukee. But I think Giannis coming to Milwaukee, franchise-altering move. And then their run to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals last year, great moment. And so far, their, their 2019-2020 season has been fun and exciting to watch. So I'm excited to what 2020 is going to bring in the world of sports for Wisconsin sports. I'm excited to see what 2020 is going to bring in the world of my life. And I want to, you know, I want to keep doing this uh, at minimal weekly. Um, I want to keep doing this at minimal weekly. Keep bringing you my thoughts, my opinions, uh, my beliefs in the world of sports and also in the world of life. So you're, you're welcome to email me at any time, coachevan66 at gmail.com. You're welcome to tweet at me, Evan with Sports. That is at Evan with Sports. And uh, interact with me. It'll be more fun if you interact with me and, you know, 
get involved in this podcast as well. So with that, I want to wish everyone a healthy and safe and happy new year. Don't make any dumb decisions. Uh, Think before you drive home. Have you drank too much? Um, And if you have, get an Uber, reach out to me, whatever. Um, Just don't make a dumb decision. With that said, we close out 2019. We start 2020. And I will get back at you talking um, Packer preview for the playoffs, Badger Rose Bowl, and whatever else happens in the world of sports between now and my next episode. Have a great rest of 2019, everybody.